Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And this is our special 101st episode where we're sharing your stories. Yeah, we're so excited about this. We really appreciate everyone's support of the show. And thank you to all our listeners for all the messages you send us online. Like, not just for this, but like literally all the time. It brings us so much joy. We get so excited whenever people have like fun things to tell us. So thank you all so much. We asked you to send us your most interesting stories or experiences you've had with animals. And we were really not disappointed. These are some pretty fun stories. Yeah, we kind of like tried to not both read a lot of the stories so that we can react to them fresh on the podcast. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to get into them. And we're basically just going to take turns reading them out and just chat about them a bit. And there were also really cool photos that went with some of them. So definitely look out for those on our social media. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone who sent in a story and just anyone who's ever listened to our show. Like Olivia said, we really appreciate you all so much. Absolutely. I wanted to quickly mention, because today I'm actually not at home. I'm over in the mountains. I'm near Jasper National Park, and I was sort of doing some climbing, and I was driving back along the, the Icefields Parkway, if you know where that is, between Banff and Jasper, and I saw the most massive grizzly I have ever seen in my entire Whoa. life. It, I got, like, the quickest glimpse of it because, of course, like, everyone was, like, lining the roads because it's a Saturday on the parkway, very busy, Lots of people misbehaving around bears. They were out of their cars. So hot tip, if you're ever in the mountains and you see any wildlife, I don't care if it's a deer or an elk or a bear, you can enjoy it, but please stay in your car. And also know that a lot of people will also judge you a little bit, even if you do pull over because technically you're not supposed to, but I get it. Just don't get out of your car. Anyway, it was beautiful. It was really gorgeous, but yeah, I only got like a second view of it, but... (laughs) Yeah. Just a shout out to bears in the mountains. Wow, that's awesome. I'm trying to remember if I have any like recent animal stories. I mean, I was out on Saturna last week and anyone who's kind of a regular listener of the show will have heard my whale stories from Saturna, but I did get to see humpbacks there and transient killer whales and the southern resident killer whales did come by once that I saw and that was really cool. They were moving against the current, which you don't see them do that often, like a really strong current. And so they were barely moving. So we got to watch them for a really long time because they were really fighting the current. Yeah, the video you sent me was amazing. I think we posted that on our story last week, didn't we? Yeah, I posted it on the story. I I didn't put it on my personal story because I feel like people are actually done with my (laughs) whale posting. They're like, yeah, we get it, Sophia. You see whales all the time. You're very lucky. (laughs) I know. I'm like a real bragger over here. But yeah. I really do love I love the videos, though, even though it makes me unbelievably jealous. I'm going back to Saturna (laughs) next week with friends, so I'm really excited, and I am sending prayers to the whale gods that the whales will be there so my friends can see Mm -hmm. them. (laughs) That sounds so nice. Awesome. Well, let's start with our first listener story. How about that? Yeah, let's get into it. So Amelia sent us a story here. And these are her words. 
A moment of wonder while working with wildlife. When I was starting my college journey, I was an early childhood education major. I decided to take a field course in the Mojave Desert, thinking it could inform future outdoor learning opportunities to do with kids. The professor mentioned that if we get our rabies shots, we could handle bats. My healthcare covered it, so I went ahead and I did it. On the first night of the course, we set up mist nets to catch bats. The first bat we caught was a female pallid bat. A few fun facts about pallid bats. They're found throughout Western North America and mostly eat large arthropods. They love scorpions and centipedes and are immune to their venom. But in the southern part of their range, they also pollinate columnar cacti. Columnar cacti. Anyway, we catch this bat and my professor asks me if I'd like to hold her. I do and something just clicked in my mind. From her blonde fur, dog-like nose, massive ears, weird smell, and personality, I was just in love. I knew that working with bats is what I needed to do for the rest of my life. That was 2015, and since then, I've gotten my undergraduate degree in wildlife biology, and now I'm about to start my master's degree in ecology. I'll be focusing on bats and their response to wildfire. I've also been working on bats and white nose syndrome for the last year and a half for the state of California. I feel so lucky to have that moment of wonder with the bat all those years ago, and I still feel amazement every time I get to work with these amazing creatures. I love that story so much. Bats are beautiful. I'm so glad that Amelia sent this in because they're such a longtime listener of the show, and I've always known that they work with bats, but it's amazing to hear the story of like how they started working with bats. Yeah, totally. And it's cool to hear that it was sort of a decision you know in your your university years like not everyone has very specific dreams of working with wildlife or like a specific kind of wildlife yeah for since childhood or whatever like it's just I I love hearing these stories how like one decision can like really change the course of your life and and bats are really extraordinary to see up close because so often you just sort of see them flying and it's not until you get a really good look at one that you realize how just amazing they are to look at they're just different from anything else yeah totally I remember at the zoo we used to have sometimes little bat babies that would get sort of kicked out of the oh I don't remember the name for a group of bats the colony anyway they would Mm. sort of (laughs) fall out of the colony and the zookeepers would have to take care of them and so sometimes I'd walk into the zoo kitchen and there'd be like a zookeeper holding like a little blankie with a little tiny baby like Jamaican fruit bat in it and oh my goodness they were probably the cutest things I could have ever seen they were like ugly cute but oh my gosh I love them (laughs) and they'd like stretch their little wings have you ever held one I want to say no but also I feel like I have a mem. I I one time held a wild bat but I didn't like hold it hold it I was like a kid and I had a stick and I got the bat to like attach to the end of the stick and then I chased my mom around with it, and she has a phobia of bats. It was a really mean thing to do, but I did it, and that's my memory of uh, <laughs> bats. Yeah. I wonder, because, yeah, because Amelia said that the professor said to get rabies shots first so that you could handle mm-hmm. them. Because that's kind of always what I guess I worry about. I mean, not that I would go around trying to handle wild bats and grab them and stuff. I wouldn't <laughs> do that, but, like... It's a little bit sad. Like I know here in BC, they're the only carrier of rabies are bats. And so I feel like they get kind of a bad rap here, even though I do see them quite a bit. Like if you're out at night, you'll probably see them. And I I do 
like love them and kind of knowing that they're there in the dark. But yeah, I think that what Amelia is doing around like education around bats and how great they are is is really important. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I remember when I went to Spain, there were bats everywhere and it was amazing. It was more bats than I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember I was like asking people in Spain, I was like, what kind of, what species are they? And I was trying to say it in Spanish and they were all like, what? And I was like, I know I'm saying this right. Like, what species are they? And they were like, oh, <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> like yeah. in uh, Toledo and um, all these like really old cities where I'm sure there's so many places for them to be. But yeah, I mean, white nose syndrome is so horrible. And I'm so glad that you're working to figure out more about it. And hopefully we can fix this problem because I love bats and um, I love that they eat mosquitoes. Yeah, and bats' response to wildfire too. I mean, that's such a huge issue, especially like, that is really cool. Yeah, here in like Western Canada. Oh yeah, like any fire research is genuinely so fascinating. I can't wait to hear the results of that, Amelia. Yeah, we should. We need to figure out how to have Amelia on the show, even though there aren't bats <laughs> in the game. I, I think it would be honestly it would be great. Anyway. We should just do a bat episode because why not? Bats eat bugs. There we go. There's our connection. <laughs> Blathers <laughs> is a fan of bats because they eat bugs. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, sweet. Well, thanks so much, Amelia, for sending that in. That was awesome. The next story is a short one from Alec who says, I love moths so much and I recently went mothing for the first time. I found a Cyanothus silk moth, which was so exciting because it is in the same genus as my favorite moth, Hyalophora cecropia. The moth just sat on my hand and it was just such an incredible experience. Also, I found them in British Columbia. And Alec sent a photo of the moth and it is so, so beautiful. Like, it's large. Like, it looks like the length probably like from wingtip to wingtip is at, I would say at least like the length of Alex's hand oh yeah this is a beautiful shot it's beautiful and it's like the wings are like ringed with like this light green and then this sort of pinky purple and oh it's just such a pretty moth it looks like a small version of the atlas moth because it even has those eye spots those yes. just beautiful eye spots it must have been so soft it looks so cool. And then because Alex said that they found them in British Columbia, which is where I'm from, I asked where, and they said it was on Gabriola Island, which I've been to a bunch of times. So that was cool. I was like, wow, I wonder if they're on Saturna. Probably. Yeah, I would think so. You should go mothing, Sophia. <laughs> or next time I'm there, I'll set up a big sheet in the your backyard on your porch. Yeah. We'll see what we catch. Let's do it. I I remember one night driving home from the ferry terminal quite late on Saturna and just like the amount of moss that we could see in the headlights was wild like so many moths that's crazy yeah the most beautiful moth I ever saw was in Ontario I saw a luna moth and it was this massive male and it was just like perched on a tree so perfectly and it didn't move at all when we went to go take photos of it I got so many photos and it never and and when it finally did fly away, it was it literally looked like a fairy. Like I it, I have this vision in my mind, wow. and everything too, because we were out at night. We were in this part of the bog that all the plants were kind of silvery colored, like they were this sort of like light green, 
and we had our headlamps on and so our headlamps were like lighting everything in this like silvery color and then all you could see was this like lime green luna moth sitting on this tree it was very haunting and beautiful that's amazing yeah and there was like smoke too and everything it felt like a scene out of swan lake actually when i was just on saturna last week there was this huge emergence of tent caterpillars. Oh, no. Yeah, because they're on like some type of cycle. And I kind of caught the end of it, but my dad was saying it had been so bad. And uh, I kind of – well, and it's like they, the amount of dead caterpillars on the road was crazy. Like it was like covered in caterpillar oh. like guts and <laughs> – because they were Slippery. all trying to cross the road and like I'd be like biking and I'd be trying to avoid them but you literally could not <laughs> avoid them and then they're they're kind of gross like they basically spin these kind of like net tent things on trees and everything and then they kind of fill up with caterpillar bodies and like uh, I don't know really yeah good vibes but I do kind of wonder if there's going to be a lot of moths yeah soon, I mean I when I, again, when I was in Ontario, like our entire, like we'd get back from the field and there would be caterpillars all over our backpacks and the pockets. Like there were caterpillars in my bedroom because I couldn't pick them all off and they were just, wow. they would, they were irritating to the skin. So yeah, I don't want to dive into that because it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we stand the moths, but not the caterpillars. Yeah. I feel like too many bugs is always, yeah, it's a balance, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. One caterpillar, love it. Cute. A gajillion caterpillars. <laughs> all so many that everything. they eat literally every tree in sight and it becomes fall in the middle of July. Yeah. Not fun. Not good. Wow. But anyway, but this is a beautiful moth. This and is thank a beautiful you so moth. much, Alec. <laughs> I feel like we got really on the hate train for moths all of a sudden. Not moths. Just the... <laughs> Not moths. <laughs> just tent caterpillars right. specifically. Fair enough. All right. We've got another story here from Diego. And he said, when I worked at a zoo in high school, I was working in a little bird conservation center. And this son, Conyer who hadn't grown attached to anyone in 15 years liked me. So he would jump in my hand at the end of my little shift to eat sunflower seeds out of it. Another time, my friends and I were in Yellowstone in early October, going just a little off trail when we saw this big brown body over a snowbank and were freaking out because we weren't sure if it was a bear or a bison. LOL. We made our buddy with the bear, I assume this is spray, with the bear spray, go check it out so we could figure out how to get out of the canyon we were in and he turned to us so many times changing his mind that it was a bear a bison or a moose until finally he saw it was a bison and we could all calm down lots of too many close encounters with bison by chance that were exciting but definitely should not be practiced <laughs> and we got a lot of really cool photos so we'll have to post those yeah so many good bison photos yeah, bison, I don't think people realize, like, bison are a little, like, I would rather encounter a bison, but bison are still very intimidating. I remember one time my dad and I were at Elk Island, which is a national park just outside of Edmonton, and we had, like, this big minivan with our kayaks on the top, and we, like, did this, like, little road through a field that had bison in it, because, you know, we were like, oh, like, safari, like, let's just go down this road, it'll be chill, and, like, everything was fine, and then we get to the, like, end of the road and this massive male comes and stands in front of the car and he's like doing every sign of aggressive 
bison. Like he's stamping his feet. Mm. He's making like all these sounds, flicking his tail, waving his head up and down. And we're just like, oh my God, is this, <laughs> is this bison going to attack us? And he did that for so long before the female he was with finally got bored and left. And then he followed her. She was like, I'm, this is ridiculous. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I've ever seen bison in person, even at Elk Island. Like I've been to Elk oh, Island, really? but I don't think I've seen them. But I know they're huge and like the photos are incredible. Yeah, they're such beautiful animals and it would be really cool to see them if you were hiking. But yeah, I remember another time at Elk Island, we were hiking and we had gotten really quiet because a storm was coming and we were like running basically from the storm and we were being eaten alive by mosquitoes. So we were just like quietly like huffing. And all of a sudden we started hearing all these crazy sounds like right on the other side of the bushes. And we were like, oh no, we did not make enough noise. And the bison, we were like, we had to kind of like skedaddle pretty quick because we didn't want to like spook any bison and get into trouble. (laughs) Yeah. It must be scary being you know, without a car and seeing them. Like, I feel like seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, anything with a car is a lot, although still something like huge can still be an issue, like a moose or something if you're in a car, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, hiking and seeing bison must be be pretty interesting. But I guess if you're coming down from the adrenaline of thinking it might be a bear. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have another story. This might be a better story than the Elk Island one. This is a very Alberta story. We were hiking, a few friends and my boyfriend and I were hiking in Kananaskis, which is kind of near Banff. And we're like, you know, pretty significantly up this like kind of mountain valley. And all of a sudden my boyfriend and his friend like start like scream and jump back or yell, (laughs) (laughs) basically freak us all out. And they they, like run. And then we, we were all like, oh my gosh, what was that? And, and we look and there's like, a, a cow in the forest oh. <laughs> it's just like staring out at us but like of course you see something dark just like Diego like when you see something large and furry in the forest it's really hard to tell what it is but it's just it was just this like cow lurking and just staring out from these pine trees it was so funny but it was also a little scary because we had a dog with us and the dog was like barking and the cow you know cows are also dangerous so but yeah, this cow just like wandered off from some farm somewhere because people would just sort of <laughs> let their cows roam. <laughs> well, thank you to Diego for sending those in and for the photos uh, as well. And next story is from Ethan. And this is a cool story because it's a diving one. So Ethan says, so this one time I was diving in PNG, which I think is Papua New Guinea. And we were coming up from the deep over this big coral reef face that transitioned into a sandy estuary area. There was a point in like eight meters of water where it was just me and a barracuda and a big sandy field with nothing else. After a moment, I turned around to look back at the sandy field and there must have been hundreds of garden eels sticking their heads up. Super surreal feeling from being alone to having an audience. Wow. Oh my gosh. My jaws dropped. That's so cool. What a neat image. Yeah, that's such a cool experience. I feel like people who dive have a lot of stories. Like my dad used to dive a lot in like Hawaii and he he once went diving and like no issues. And then and he he had an underwater camera and he'd been taking lots of pictures and then he came back and got the photos developed and he saw like a big shark 
in one of the photos. Oh my god. <laughs> and he hadn't seen. <laughs> That's so scary. Sometimes I'm scared of that when I take like selfies in the forest. I'm like, what if there's something behind me? A Bigfoot. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. I love that story. That's such a like specific image too, like a single barracuda sand and then garden eels just yeah. everywhere. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Okay. This one is also a crazy story. This one's from Christine, who's a classmate of mine. Yeah, this is such a crazy story and there, there will be photos to go with it. So Christine says, man, I love to share and hear random encounters and have so many, many moments where I've been in awe of animals I've been fortunate enough to work with. The one that caught me the most off guard was seeing a polar bear in the field. This huge male was sleeping in the sun on a small rocky outcrop from Falstaff Island in Nunavut near a peregrine falcon nest we were visiting. Didn't really notice or believe he was there until we drove the Zodiac, which is a type of boat, past the rock and he lifted his head to look at us. It was completely surreal and it took a good five seconds of staring at this bear's face to realize he was in fact real. Of course, the moment he decided to stand up and start walking along the outcrop was when our outboard motor died, but that's not really important. (laughs) Just watching him lift his head to sniff the air, slowly walk along the spine of the rock while keeping us in his line of sight the entire time was completely surreal. Right in front of me is this apex predator, one of the animals on earth that actually sees you as potential prey. And he's just taking a disgruntled stroll because we woke him up from his nap. I still struggle to describe the emotions that the whole encounter brought up. Sheer awe, for sure. But mixed with intimidation, admiration, a tinge of sadness, and a bananas huge surge of adrenaline. Polar bears are incredible creatures, and it was the simple lifting of its head that had impacted me in a lifelong manner. That was a big-ass animal fully deserving of every ounce of respect I had to give. And the way the sun caught his claws will forever be imprinted in my memory. We did eventually get the motor started, but that was a very uncomfortable 25 seconds of hoping that we wouldn't have to poke at him with our oars if he decided to come swimming our way. LOL. (laughs) Oh my gosh, wow. Can you imagine? It's like, oh, I'm just gonna poke at this thing and hope for the best. I can't imagine that. I know... You know, my mom's been to the Arctic and seen polar bears and everything in Zodiacs. And you're, you are pretty exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zodiac is not like a big boat. It's... No, and I it's like know. open it's like air. like a step above a raft. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. And that was beautiful how she described it, too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great story. Thanks, Christine. And this next story is from a listener whose name isn't on their Instagram, but it's a cool little, I think a more kind of close to home story, but still really cute. So this listener says, happy 100th episode, longtime listener and playing Animal Crossing for two decades. Woo. (laughs) Love that. (laughs) Our family's most special wildlife interaction was living in an apartment in Lincoln City, Oregon. Our back patio faced a forest. A doe started coming by and we mostly fed her carrots, soon adopting the name Carrot. We even got a photo of the deer sniffing noses with our cat. After a couple weeks of not seeing her, she came by looking very skinny with three fawns, naming them Baby Carrots, of course, (laughs) hiding in the forest nearby. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, I feel like 
on Saturna, there are so many deer that they're almost like squirrels or, or crows or something. Like it's like you're so used <laughs> to seeing them that you don't react to them. But they're so beautiful and cute and and I love watching them. And the fawns, oh my gosh. This is another short story from Kurda, a listener on Twitter, who said, A few years ago, I worked at an environmental education summer camp held by my local Audubon. They had quite a few animals who were rescued and sadly could not return to the wild due to their injuries, so they stayed on as animal ambassadors. One was a raven named Zack. His space, when not doing his education job, was not in an area open to the public, so I will never forget when my supervisor took me to see him the first time. He was a little delight. I was warned, though, that he likes to mimic things like building alarms and fire trucks. Oh, I love that. Ravens are incredible. Like, they're so smart. I, I've seen ravens, like, washing their food in puddles. I'm like, dang, look at those things go. Yeah, no, they're so smart. And they have, yeah, very interesting vocalizations. Like, my my dad and I were walking and heard some ravens. We, we were watching them and, like, they just really seem to be chatting with each other. Like, no. having a full-on conversation. That's so cute. So Adele Pentland, who did an episode with us on Amber uh, a little while ago, sent in an audio file. So we're going to get to play that. And if you haven't heard Adele's episode, definitely go check it out. It was wonderful. And Adele has a very cool Instagram. So go follow her for sure. Hey, Sophia and Olivia, congratulations on hitting episode 100. Thank you so much for creating such well-researched, intentional content that combines my love for Animal Crossing with the natural world. It's really reignited my passion for living animals. So thanks again. My listener experience is an animal encounter with a slight twist. So you might remember me from the Amber episode I primarily work on fossils, and one of my most informative experiences was when I saw, looking down the microscope, the most perfect little fly preserved in amber. Now, that doesn't seem super interesting because flies are everywhere, but this one was 40 million years old. From the Eocene, it lived in a world that was completely different to the world you and I experience today. And the antennae were perfect. The little spurs on the legs were perfect. It was just so mind-blowing. Congrats again on hitting this major milestone. I know that you two are going to continue to have a big impact on how people perceive and interact with the natural world, whether that be through creating the podcast or content created as a freelance writer or in academia. Oh, that was so nice. That warmed my heart so much. Thank you, Adele. Yeah, thank you so much, Adele. It's so sweet and what an amazing story. I'm so glad we could get a, like a prehistoric story. Yeah, that's so amazing. And like, yeah, trying to wrap your mind around something that old is so hard to do. And whenever I, like, I'm holding a fossil, I'm like, this is millions of years old. It, like, takes a lot of focus for me to just comprehend that. So that that must have been so cool to see. 
Thank you, Adele, for all your support. We really appreciate it. And uh, be sure to check out Adele's Instagram. And so our last listener story was sent in by Kara to our email. So thank you so much for sending this in. And it reads, I am the assistant curator at a small museum on the coast of Maryland. We have a few living exhibits at the museum, and in them we have local critters from our bay slash ocean, like horseshoe crabs, blue crabs, oyster toadfish, seahorses, flounder, a feisty little food-motivated fish that actually bit the museum curator's finger and drew blood, and American eels, to name a few. Last summer, as we were preparing for our busy season, we collected a few juvenile American eels for the tanks. We have a 16-year-old eel that is, for the most part, well-behaved. It sometimes likes to bully the spider crab by stealing its food, even though there's plenty in the tank for the both of them. I digress. So we have these new cutie pie juvenile eels in the tank, and I was forewarned that they are little escape artists, so I have to make sure that the top of the tank is securely on at all times. Well, one day, after feeding all the tanks, I went into my office to catch up on some paperwork. After 20 minutes or so, I went back downstairs, and as I passed our aquarium room, something in the middle of the floor caught my eye. Curious, I took a look and realized it was one of the little eels. It popped out of the tank in a back room, flip-flopped across the bench, onto the floor, over a door threshold, and into the middle of the room. Wow. Yeah, wow. (laughs) It traveled a fantastic seven feet or more. My first thought was, well, drat. It's not moving, it's covered in gunk, it's gotta be dead. I went to pick it up and it was very much alive, despite being outside the tank for a while. It was way too slippery to handle, like hilariously challenging to pick up. (laughs) I grabbed a piece of paper towel, gently transferred it back to its tank, and made sure to secure the tank's lid in order to avoid future travels. It is amazing how long they can live out of the water. I can share that the little eel went on to live a comfortable life, snuggled in the substrate, and gave up its dream of terrestrial wandering for now. (laughs) (laughs) Also, a fun fact I like to share with visitors about the ugliest critter in our tanks is that in 1998, NASA sent the oyster toadfish into space. Scientists wanted to study the effects of microgravity on the development of the otolithic organs slash vestibular system. It tickles me to think about the oyster toadfish hanging out in the cosmos. Wow. What a well-written story. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, geez, that was great. That was what like a, a great whole adventure. Way of storytelling. Yeah. Oh, man. Eels, the more I learn about eels, the more fascinated I am. And I think when you're working in animal care, you end up getting the craziest stories. So thank you for sharing that. I'm, I imagine you've had so many really cool experiences that you could have shared. I love hearing about escape artist eels. Yeah, that's amazing. I did not know that they could like travel that far or even 16-year-old eel. I didn't really know that they get that old. Yeah, wow. I guess maybe we talked about that in our eel episode. <laughs> I just forgot. Or it's been a while now. Can't blame yeah. you if you don't remember. I don't remember myself, but I remember being amazed by eels. Totally. They're very <laughs> mysterious and and I guess they wander apparently. Yeah. Wanderlust. Wanderlusting cool. eels. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you everyone so much from the bottom of our hearts. It's been a joy producing this podcast and getting to talk to all our listeners and just hear these wonderful stories. It warms my heart and it's so interesting and exciting to hear all the different animal experiences you've had yeah thank you very much for sending 
these in. It was seriously fun to read them all and hear your stories because we're always telling ours. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, definitely keep, message us with any requests for future episodes you have or if you have any fun stories that, you know, you just want to share. We love to hear them. And uh, uh, thanks again, really, to all our listeners. Make sure to tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye. Bye. Thank you.